Boop. Boop. Hello, and welcome to your training video, How to Be a Superhero, with our special guest, The Tick. That's right, Emmanuel. Now, there's no altar about this ego, civilian. I'm a crime fighter extraordinaire under the tutelage of Fair Lady Liberty and her surly husband, Pa Justice. And just because Liberty looks a little concerned when you stand too close, and just because Justice threatens to call the police, doesn't mean they're not on your side. Ha <laughs> ha, good point, Tick. Now, living the life of a superhero is not always easy. Tick, what do you do in your day-to-day life? I have to tell you, I'm not afraid to take off my belt and get to business. And when that business is complete, and my hero slacks fall to gravity's cruel embrace, I'll still be standing tall. And so can you. Speaking of your slacks, what's the importance of a costume? Why can't we just go out and fight crime without one? Hygiene and cleanliness are next to heroness. Always remember. And while you're remember, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like really weird to do. Yeah, might as well get into it. This is probably going to run like an hour and a half at least, so <laughs> we should probably just start really? talking. You got a lot to say about it? <laughs> Do you not? Uh, well, uh, I have some things to say. I mean, the I therapy know. visits alone. Sure. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's let's get into it. Sure. So, my name is Ben. And I'm Zane. And this is the Carton Cast. Once again, we are reviewing old cartoons to see what we think of them. Uh, this is not one that either of us have had experience with in the past, but it's been getting a lot of press recently because of the live-action show com- making a comeback. So, we're really right. happy to do The Tick. This is The Tick versus the Carton Cast <laughs> versus Jack. Uh, yeah, the, J- <laughs> the Tick Syndrome. Ben. This is not just the Cartoncast. This is the greatest episode of the Cartoncast ever, with a far-reaching message that will turn society on its soft, mushy head. <laughs> I really love his, like, a slightly uncomfortable adjectives that he just throws <laughs> in at random spots. It really, it's really unnerving. Yeah. And it's never quite thematic. No, it, it, like, like it, <laughs> it's not like Darkwing Duck puns where they're all sort of thematically linked. They're more He-Man puns where it's just, like, something that sort of sounds similar like a pun, and then he just... The TV tropes turn for it is metaphor-gotten. He, like, starts using a metaphor and then doesn't remember the original thing he's saying and just keeps on going with the metaphor until you have no clue what the circumstances were. And if and if you can keep track of it, it's pretty good. <laughs> Big if, though. Um, especially if you are a child watching this in the way that you shouldn't be. Right. It's not, not, not really, really for children. Not really for kids. <laughs> Thanks, Fox. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's let's talk about the tick, though. Right. So as you said, the tick ran on Fox, uh, specifically Fox Kids, the Fox Kids block from yeah, yeah for they, little baby kids, yeah, for <laughs> little baby foxes, for little Falcon. baby foxes who were interested in you know uh, breaking away from your the, the same sort of plot line that appeals to people who like Fight Club. <laughs> somebody who is disillusioned with their workaday life and wants something more glamorous and an outlet for their rage, and <laughs> you know. I don't know how well kids can really relate to that story, but um, it is uh, based on the comic book, The Tick, by one 
Ben Edlund. And the comic book was from uh, 1988, and the show ran from 94 to 96. Yeah, apparently Ben Edlund actually created the comic book character in 86 and uh, when he was 18. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, as a mascot for his comic store's newsletter, and then just kept working on it as an undergrad in art school. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and Ben Edlund, had work, uh, he's worked on um, several projects since then. He worked on Supernatural and uh, some Joss Whedon shows. <laughs> Super, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't, probably don't want to go in, into it for too much, but... Uh, for some reason, recently, one of my grad school friends and I, um, he was looking up something that he'll do every so often is he'll just look up stuff that I happen to say in passing and just research it. <laughs> and for some reason, he was looking up Supernatural um, and he found this, you know, fanfic website. I think it's called like, are you aware, are you aware of the twincest phenomenon? <laughs> yeah. <Are> you... <laughs> I'm not joking. It's a thing. It's 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 a it's a subcategory of slash fic where you you know twins yeah. and yes. No, I I gathered. And for some reason, winning because whatever. Um, but the the phrase that stuck in my head really hard from it was the person who write, was writing it. Like had no concept of erotica. <laughs> so one of the phrases was something like he looked like he had just done twenty five push ups. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, thinking what. Is is that your internal monologue when you get turned on? Is you just I... think about a quantified number of push-ups? <laughs> like in, in addition to just being artistically like bereft, that's just not a very evocative statement. I I like the idea of fanfic being written by someone who doesn't know what's like erotic and like what sex is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they're just constructing it from formula. <laughs> he's, sort of he's... like that pun robot you were talking about. It doesn't yeah. actually understand the concept of humor. <laughs> <laughs> he sat down in a chair. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, baby. <laughs> he was looking at his parts and feeling urges. <laughs> Which among us have not looked at our parts and felt an urge, and then compared it to a number of push-ups? Which among us have not looked at our own antenna and said, "Sir, I'll have the steak." This <laughs> is really fun to do. <laughs> um, so the the animated show of The Tick was written by Edland and by Christopher McCulloch, a.k.a. Jackson Public. Yeah. And uh, they went on to work together on The Venture Brothers. Edland is working on The Venture Brothers? Yeah, they went on to do it together. Oh, my God. Wait. So, the, wait, is You're ben starting to Edlund... see a lot of similarities, aren't you? Wait, is, <laughs> is, is he just Doc Hammer? He's not Doc Hammer, is he? It's similar. <laughs> no, but, like, hang on. I gotta look this up. Edmund. Okay. <clears throat> Cause if he's Doc Hammer, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> Doesn't look like Oh no. Ah, okay. He he worked on it with Doc Hammer, whom is Eric Hammer. Yeah. Okay. It says Edlin collaborated with indie filmmaker Lisa Hammer and her husband Eric. Um, hmm. And then the Hammers would work with him again in Venture Brothers. So, wow. I can Edlund, definitely... Edlund worked with Jackson Public and Doc Hammer on the Venture Brothers. It's I incredible. can definitely see a lot of um, a lot of commonalities between Venture Brothers and The Tick now that I've, you know, seen The Tick. Not necessarily, like, long-term themes or plots. Just, uh, like, this idea that everyone's a superhero and well, they kind he... of follow their own rules. You know what that also uh, is reminiscent of? And it's something else that Edlund had a hand in. 
uh, mm. was Dr. Or Horrible sing-along blog. That's right. That's it's almost right. the exact same. I love this setting. I love it whenever it pops <laughs> up. And it's getting so much... It's getting a lot of love recently with, with mm-hmm. Venture Brothers and you got your Dr. Horrible sing-along blog and people are just kind of recognizing that this superhero deconstruction really, really works. Oh, yeah. I mean, superheroes have been huge like in movies the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. No one really saw it coming, I don't think, but it's huh, well, it's, it's just really yeah, good. Yeah, but it's, it's a totally different perspective on on superherodom. Like, sure. In, in, I mean... Those ones are all kind of celebrating how much we love superheroes. Things like this and Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog is kind of not really denouncing them so much as poking fun at the whole concept of them. I just really appreciate Ben Edlund's ability to just look at anything and turn it into a superhero or a supervillain. Well, yeah, that is very <laughs> that is very amusing. And it uh, honestly has a lot to do with the... Um, the cosmology of the Tickiverse, I guess. Oh, God. But because um, it does seem like everyone just kind of latches onto one thing. I think my favorite one is Batman Well. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Batman Well, of course, was in the live action reboot um, starring Patrick Warburton. Yeah, that's true. 2001. He is also my favorite. He's so, also your favorite. I love it when he answers his phone and says Batman Well. And it's Batman not a joke, um, but I really love it. The so I I you know I liked the tick the the animated one. It's where it's got most of its fame. I should point out it is, and I liked it well enough. But I I really like the live action version a lot more. Okay, so I actually wanted to talk about the differences between the two before we get into the actual show. Sure. Um, you know both of them were sort of constrained by Fox, uh, but. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they didn't have that sexy push-up competition in, that they you know wanted to fit in there. You know what's funny is that uh, yeah, um, the uh, Ben Edlund also worked on Firefly. And oh really? It, 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 it's seeming more and more like these are just like rivals, like just mortal enemies. Fox versus Ben Edlund, <laughs> and he just can't be kept down because he's got a tick-like sense of optimism. Yeah, but uh, the difference. A couple of the noted differences between the two series are, one, which character it highlights the most, and uh, two, the sense of humor, like the uh, the targeted demographic. Sure. So, like, in the animated series, you have, it's targeted toward kids, not just because it's animation, but specifically because it was run by Fox Kids. Right. Um, whereas in the live action show, you have, uh, you know, much more much more adult humor and um it was done more recently as well which is why that's a more prevalent i I mean it might just be that the people who watched the animated series back then are now old enough to (laughs) appreciate like it's it's almost as though the show evolved with its audience yeah so for me i think a lot of it was um the 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 cartoon dealt with it was like a superhero show still because it was animated so you know it doesn't cost anything extra to have you know this gigantic you know Godzilla monster tearing things apart or going through space or whatever in live action that's a lot more budget yes yes Um, which is why the new live action tick did not have a lot of action scenes right which I liked better I didn't Um, mind it it it, seemed okay so I like the idea of ridiculous characters in real situations if you have ridiculous characters in ridiculous situations it's just a a lot less compelling yeah and that's one of the things about the cosmology in the animated tick series is that it is a universe what does not consider these heroes weird right not as much and that is a huge point in its favor and that also Um, relates to 
whom the show is highlighting in the animated series is that you have, you know, notable weirdos, Tick, Batmanuel, and all the rest of the heroes, uh, and you have the normals, and they kind of don't bat an eye at each other. They, they're they mutually accepting, but Arthur's this very strange outcast. He, he's a bit of half-elf. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the animated show really highlights the... Uh, really highlights Arthur more. Mm-hmm. Whereas the live show kind of highlights the tick because everyone is reacting to him as though he's really nuts. I almost saw it the other way around. Really? Yeah, I thought that the animated version focused a lot more on the tick um, just because he was a much more active presence because he could like actually exhibit those superpowers. <laughs> um, whereas in the live action, I, I thought they focused more on Arthur because he's... Like, he's the drama. He drives a lot of the plot, and the tick is just, like, there for jokes. It's like a like a Jerry Kramer kind of thing. <laughs> that, that might be true, but uh, I found when looking a little bit more at the kind of humor each one displayed, um, the fact that the live-action one had more of an adult sense of humor and that the tick was completely oblivious to the entire yeah. <laughs> tone of the show yeah. really cast a spotlight on what an outsider what an outlier he was in that regard. Hmm. I guess so. I, I don't know. That was just my first... You might be very well be right. But uh, in either case, that's kind of the big difference between the yeah. two of them. And we will be trying to talk about the animated series more. The, the other big difference is Patrick Warburton. I, you, there, beautiful. You can't, that, is un, <laughs> that is an unfair test to judge, <laughs> to judge animated series against. That's just not fair. Again... Somebody who's related to Venture Brothers. Well, I did not realize I, that these two were so closely intertwined. Well, here's the thing: uh, Warburton, usually, like he's very like well known in the animated. Like he he's mostly does the voice work, um, but the Tick is a character that just uses his body so well. Let well, me rephrase specific, that. Specifically, <laughs> specifically, he uses his face so well, and they actually cut open the face mask for the live action version just to get his like. <laughs> Clint Eastwood, gr- yeah, gaze like that. Just, just that stare. Just his expressive yeah. face is so. I don't know how he was so prevalent in animated things, considering how expressive well, his face is. Well, he's so huge. He looks really weird compared to normal sized humans. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> like it's the part he was born to play. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, do you have anything else to say about uh, sort of production? No, I think that's about it. Um, the premise... I, I have I, one other thing to say about production, actually, before right. we get into it. And it's not really production so much as uh, uh, that there is a superfan webpage. Um, I don't know if you'd seen it. It's called... I did not. www.thetick.ws by Michael Legman. And it's just a bunch of ideas about the tick and scheduling and its appeal etc kind of gathered from different corners of the internet and kind of all compiled into one spot for this guy who just really likes it i didn't notice that it's pretty cool and it's where i got a lot of my intel on you know fox's scheduling muck-ups oh well great well i i hope that you sprinkle that on as we go through the plot of the show i have already exhausted everything i have to say about that impressive but hey, we can just fill the rest of the time with the plot. <laughs> yeah, so much because there, there are a lot of twists and tw- there's a lot right. of side quests in this wide open sandbox <laughs> of a world. Right. So if if you couldn't tell from our descriptions of the shows, uh, the tick, the the premise of the tick is in a world that is 
overrun, just <laughs> full to the brim of superheroes and villains, the Tick and his sidekick Arthur fight a series of increasingly random villains with the help of increasingly random heroes. There's this one character in Sentinels of the Multiverse, mm-hmm. um, this one villain, and his name is Fright Train. <laughs> you know, he has no He's the theme guy beyond. that's a train? <laughs> he, he's a guy what is a train, and that's his whole theme. And that's most of the villains in the tick is like they just thought of a pun and then just went for it, which I really like. Sometimes a pun, sometimes just like whatever they saw. Sunflower, boom, El Seed, villain. (laughs) I didn't see the El Seed one. Like it, it's as though this like high powered executive like burst into the writer's room and was like, I need an idea for a, (laughs) oh yeah. Is that not what you meant? (laughs) Not really. I need an idea for a villain like now. And one guy's just like, uh, there's a guy who is, a, he's, there's a chair. He's got a chair for a face. It's like the later seasons of Power Rangers. <laughs> What's his where name? Where Rita's just like. Chair face. Yeah, just let's let's make this toaster all electrified <laughs> and make it grow up like 20 times. Trumpet. Good enough. Done. <laughs> Trumpet, good. Video camera, good. <laughs> yeah. Kaleidoscope. <laughs> oh, man, that was a good one, though. I like that one a lot. Um, So... Yeah, the tick is just I don't know. The the continu- the the setting of it is more prevalent than the actual plot of it. It's like you sure. said, it's just a city, the city in fact, what has many many superhero types running around. It's a little bit of just if Darkwing Duck had a bigger playground, I feel like is is the setting that we're in. Yeah, I think so too. Like you see a little bit more of the uh, superhero versus normal lifestyle kind of changes. You know, <laughs> there's a few times when the police write the tick up for not having his license or something like that. Or, you know, sidekicks can only go into the sidekicks lounge. They can't go into the actual party. It's just it's a society that has accepted superherodom as a viable career option. It's a weird separate but equal kind of deal going on. It, it's... A little less than that. There's still some stigma against the heroes, as evidenced by the first episode, wherein mm-hmm. Arthur is fired from his accounting job because he wants to be both. <laughs> well, in he, a weird way. He's dressed up already. <laughs> yeah, as a bunny. Well, as a maw. Whatever. Yeah. He, same. He, oh, he, got, a, got a siren. All right. Put on the siren alarm. <laughs> the alarm? What? Isn't that just the siren? <laughs> right. I mean... Uh, we should have a theme for when a siren goes by, just so that people don't get, like, scared. Taking a plane break. <laughs> Is that what you meant? Yeah, kind of. Um, Arthur, yeah, he he works as an accountant, but he like he's in this transitional state between normal and superhero. I agree, and we should definitely talk about it in the character segment. Why don't we just start with the tick, though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Am Starting that okay? Strong. Yeah. The tick... You know, I think it's actually better to start with uh, the superheroes what are not the Tick, because he is so starkly contrasting to them, even within sure. their... The, like, they're all... It's the same profession, but he treats it very differently. Yes. So, um, there are let's... a lot of superheroes in this society, and what I found about this show, and I'll get to it in tone, is that this is basically the outlet that people in workaday worlds, you know, they have sort of a noble savagery instinct. They want to quit their jobs, they want to do something of greater purpose, and they have insatiable egos. So, <laughs> w- 
what happens with the superheroes and supervillains in this is you see the effect of an unchecked ego. Mm. Um, so a lot of the superheroes are just very into themselves. They don't really know why they're doing what they're doing. Um, they don't really pay attention to other superheroes even. <laughs> it's very, very self-centered society is superhero society. Right, which makes sense in in its own weird way. Well, any any like subculture where you break away from the normal culture, you kind of feel elevated. Like, yeah, I'm better than them. Uh, <laughs> you know, th- there's like this sort of sense of of pride in having breaking away, broken away from the flock. It's almost an art form to them. It well, it's certainly an art form to uh, <laughs> to the tick, whom I almost just called Nuclear Man a second ago. Pretty great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I it, a bit. I don't know. I feel like the tick treats it with a higher level of performance than uh, than the rest of them. Yeah, for in, to some of them, it seems like a like a calling that they need to do. To others, it's like yeah, it's a paycheck, or you know, I had these laser hands. I might as well you might know, as well involved. use them. <laughs> well, dude, you're just you, you're just gonna go uh, push some paper over down at the company. You got laser There's hands. There's a surplus man. down at the dock. <laughs> I got this huge shipment of of uh of eel shaped torpedoes. Figure I gotta use them somehow. Uh, so I become eel man. Gotta Boom. be eel man. <laughs> gotta shoot them torpedoes. Rob a bank. I'm working on an electrified exoskeleton. Yeah, the a lot of the heroes and villains don't seem like hugely motivated by her like heroics or or villainy. It's like that's just their occupation. Yeah, yeah. There, it, this is sort of the and transitional the period the of society of accepting superheroing as a viable career option. They don't quite have it yet. <laughs> it's sort of a, uh, yeah, it, it's this weird civil rights period where they're just starting to be be accepted into society. What? You're going to move out west and become a superhero? Why don't you settle down and become a lawyer like your brother Marvin? <laughs> Who is Marvin? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Yeah, no, that is kind of the in the like that's that's sort of the nonchalance with which the normals all treat superhero dumb though. Like in they the live recognize action, it is a possibility, but it's sort of a weirdo possibility. Yeah, in the live action show, it is um, d- d- similarities are drawn between being a superhero and being gay. Yes, like <laughs> kind of exclusively, like, like very strongly. Yep, not even did hiding you, it. Did, did you even? Uh, did, did, how many of them did you watch? Because I'm probably going to watch all of them soon. I did watch all of them. You did? I watched, you know, so I watched a few episodes from each season in the animated series. and But when I hit the live action, I'm like, I got to watch all of this right now. I, I felt the same thing. And I really do love the animated series. Um, I think it's a great show. But, I'm, you know. I'm not so sweet on it. Okay. Uh, I, I think that the live action is also better. But... That's kind of not fair because, again, <laughs> you know, kids versus adult senses of humor. Which is fair. I, I think I would have enjoyed this a lot more had more I come to surface. it. I think I would have enjoyed the Tick uh, animated had I come to it younger. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. Um, but anyway, we should probably actually talk about the the, the, char- the other characters. We right. kind of set up, this is the stage. All the superheroes exist in sort of a heightened, self-centered, egomaniacal, uh, over- overly stating their own importance sort of way and arthur is our window to that lifestyle because he's not fully transitioned yet so he still doesn't know a lot of the lingo he doesn't know some of the rules he's very afraid just like we would be in that situation so he is he is our portal to this world yeah in a place where in in a in a setting in which the evils of 
over-exuberance and egomania are very apparent, he's sort of giving us this tempered, balanced outlook where he's using his, you know, uh, whatever whatever this thing gives him a higher calling without succumbing to being a complete asshole about Insane. it. Insane. <laughs> I mean, without becoming insane. Like, we might as well just paint it very clearly. The tick is just out... <laughs> So the Tick is pretty much just an overconfident man-child who has right. proclaimed himself a superhero. <laughs> but it's he, like he read a book about it. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he believes in the ethics so much as he believes in the rules. Well, he's again, he's super strong. What else is he going to do? <laughs> I guess um, so. He and Arthur, he, he needs Arthur, which I think is very interesting. Because Arthur, because he's somewhat divorced from this superheroing he actually understands what's going on and, and sees the importance of it like his superpower is basic reasoning skills yeah it's common sense um <laughs> and i do want to talk about that but uh again i think you're just trying to get into arthur because he's the f- best character and i w- do want to talk about the tick i thought we were doing the other characters before the tick we were doing you're, the other you're characters, very confusing then, the tick, then arthur Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I wanted to do just the, the, <laughs> I'm, the, the I'm background just not characters. This. <laughs> yeah, I I apologize. This is like a very strange situation in which we're both like fighting in opposite directions without outwardly stating it because it's not the way podcasts do. I mean, so much of who they are is based on their relationship and their interactions. But but let, that is true. Let's go. If if we're done with other characters, then we should go into the tick full force. Then, if you don't mind, I, I think that I think that I like. I just want to know what I'm doing. I'm so I, confused. I think, <laughs> I think I want to talk about Arthur in context to his contrast with the tick, and mm. the tick is easier to set up. Okay. Um. So he is essentially just again just a. Uh, just this man-child, what he has is, proclaimed himself a hero. He is amazed and fascinated by everything around him. Yeah, he's got a very childish sense of wonderment <laughs> to the to the surrounding world. Um, the train takes people around, you say. Why don't they just leap from building to building? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, it didn't cost any money at all. I just had to charge it to your credit card. <laughs> oh, well, great. <laughs> Thanks, Dick. Um, you're, you're the and, best. Yeah, and, you know, of course, when we get to Arthur, we can say that that groundedness is really essential for this pairing to even work. Like, mm-hmm. Tick on his own would be just destruction in a random direction. It might be good, <laughs> it might be bad, but it's certainly not planned out. It really, that really does remind me of the, um, you know, the nuclear, nuclear man, man, atomic, yeah, la- yeah I, I didn't make that connection, but it's a very strong parallel. It's extremely strong. Um, so is the Tick. Yes, he's <laughs> very, very strong, almost invulnerable. And he's got these wiggly little antenna, which I'm going to count as a power because I think they're great. <laughs> what do they do? They just bend in random directions. That, that brings that brings up the question: Why exactly a tick? Yeah, that's. Did you were you able to figure that out? I was not. They have. I guess if Arthur's a Mothman, then they're kind of doing this bug theme. But the tick, it's, ticks are not known for being particularly strong. I mean, they can jump a lot. He jumps. I guess so. And he's tenacious. Um, I was trying to look up for a backstory, and his backstory is apparently that he just escaped from a mental institution. I believe it. Um, it, it that's how it's set up in the comic books. In the, in the animated series, there's this really fun moment where he's just monologuing in front of a bus station, or on top of a bus station, and he's like proclaimed himself the protector of this bus station, <laughs> and the employees there have to trick him to leaving to go to the city. Right. Or is Again, it no? No, I'm, I apologize. That's him. the live action. Yeah, that's the live action. Which in, is great. in the animated one, he's just like placed in the city because he goes to the tryouts. 
Oh yeah, that's right. There's like a superhero tryouts where they're all like, uh, I don't know about this guy. Let's let's well, he let's brings send, a nuclear weapon in. Let's send him to Earth to get him out of the tallest's hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he's basically just requisitioned to the city, kind of a uh, <laughs> which not even trying to hide it. You know, it's no, not like Champion City, Central City, Super City. It's just no, the get city. ready. For a deconstruction of the genre. Because it's <laughs> happening now. It, it's the same thing that happened in Frisky Dingo. The I town. Should, I should point out in um in the first episode of the animated series, they make fun of pretty much every major superhero. Oh man, the Punisher thing? The Punisher thing, the <laughs> Superman so thing. Yeah, Punisher being this like this insane gun loving crazy yeah, man. With like mommy issues. Yeah. And <laughs> Superman really just good. being like thwarted by the fact that he can't find a phone booth to change into the, the best thing about introducing the tick alongside all these other basically knockoff characters mm-hmm. is that the tick whom is just basically you know he, he doesn't really have any backstory or uh he doesn't have any backstory or complication or depth but that makes him a far more effective superhero than these egomaniacs whom you know their their image is more important than their function, so they never actually get around to being effective. I'm married to the job. Yeah, and I, it's our anniversary, and it's breakfast in bed. <laughs> that is exactly how he would put it. <laughs> Sweet Lady Liberty has drizzled syrup all over this breakfast of champions, and I'll take the first bite proudly. Destiny's powerful hand has made the bed of my future, and it's up to me to lie in it. I am destined to be a superhero, to right wrongs and pound two-fisted justice into the hearts of evildoers everywhere. You don't fight destiny, no sir, and you don't eat crackers in the bed of your future, or you get all scratchy. But like, you have the Superman thing, he never actually gets out of the phone booth. You have the Punisher thing, and he's just shooting everything. He's not really trying to be a hero, and it's just shining a light on... These superhero ideals make no sense in a society that has real people. Sure. Um, yeah. So, the, yeah, he are. stands out in contrast to the rest of superhero-dom. Yeah, and they, they do have, like, a Wonder Woman and Batman analog that stay in the series, um, American Maid and the <laughs> Fleeter Mouse. Yeah, Batman well in the live-action. Yeah, which is I think I way like better. better. <laughs> it's so much <laughs> better. Well. Yeah, he's disgusting. <laughs> I like I do like Dear Fleeter Mouse though. Yeah. His his costume is really gross looking. It makes me kinda happy. <laughs> well bats are really horrible to look at. Did you see that there was a uh there's uh, what it's like a it's like a sea urchin that talks like uh Rain Man? What? Yeah, there's like this sea urchin it's called sewer urchin and his like power is smelling really bad and he oh, talks God. exactly like Rain Man. Like your fleet mouse will be like, do we? Do you think we should follow him? He'll just be definitely. We should definitely follow them. It's, <laughs> it's like, I don't know why it's there. Yeah, there. It seems arbitrary what gets kept in and what turns into a one-off <laughs> gag. <laughs> I I agree, and we could talk about that later. But uh, yeah, so just to just to kind of wrap up the tech, he mm-hmm. is showing. He he's kind of the um, he's kind of the example of what is strong about having such a strong ego and sense of justice without mm-hmm. many of the drawbacks. He does have drawbacks, but he's not so up his own ass as to, you know, be completely ineffective. He's just kind of an 
a non-directional force of chaos. Yeah. Well, he knows he knows he has to fight the bad guys. He knows like that's what a good guy does, but you get right. the sense that the only reason like the tick knows who the bad bad guys are is because they got like big neon signs pointing to them. Yeah, he would be <laughs> he would be a a bad guy in any other continuity. <laughs> like where this was not showcased. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't really know what else to say about him though. <laughs> like he's, he's actually not that he's just not that deep. He's got a catchphrase which they added in which I don't like. No, I don't like it either. It could have been better. Yeah. He just says I like spoon. his monologues it's better. Really yeah, the monologues the monologues are pretty good. The monolo- that's almost communesque of uh, like monologuing level. Mhm. Um it, it's always a home run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um these uh the predisposition that he- the Tick and, like, Darkwing Duck and some people in Venture Brothers have to hero them is sort of perfectly encapsulated by one of the Tick's speeches. Oh, yeah? When he when he's talking to Arthur for, like, the first time, and the Arthur is just like, I, I think I'm going crazy, and he just shouts at him while gripping his face, you're not going crazy, Arthur. You're going sane in a crazy world. He's <laughs> <laughs> actually touching, um, first of all, a facet of this universe, that this universe is nuts and Arthur is the only sane person. So the tick is not quite incorrect, but it's also touching on this very familiar aspect of superhero fandom in that the superheroes have to be accessible and relatable to those who see them. Hmm. And tick is sort of the only one who does that. (laughs) Everybody else is kind of, kind of unrelatable, but he is just kind of like, I'm a good guy. Yeah. I've got the mind of a child. (laughs) (laughs) The, these are the weirdos. Like, this is the aftermath of the like heroes and mystery men like setting an <laughs> yeah. example. <laughs> yeah, when the government finally come came up with like a way for them to write it off on their taxes, it became like a viable <laughs> option. <laughs> Heller finally got a few contracts. <laughs> Tornado in a can. Nice. Surprise Al Qaeda with Yeah. <laughs> so the tick is you know how there there were different time periods of comic books? So there was, you know, the golden age where everyone was just like laughing all the time. And I was the... going to say he's pretty much golden age. He's golden age and the world around him is a di- It's weird because most people aren't familiar with different types of superhero worlds and he is from a completely different one. These the rest of the world is like, you know, not quite into the dark and gritty stuff, but some like more surreal stuff like yeah, um a little bit a uh, little bit of off black <laughs> the gray age. <laughs> yeah. So, but but you know that one's being very harshly criticized by this show, whereas the Golden Age ideology really kind of isn't. Hmm. I don't know. He he seems like he's 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 a sensible character. He's he's not kind of poked fun at a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, he sort of stands out as the ideal against things like whatever the hell the Punisher cutout is supposed to be or <laughs> Der Fleeter Mouse. I think they were just trying to get these little digs. Yeah, I guess so. Um. Yeah, I mean, the I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I like I like that you brought that up though. That he is kind of a golden age in a world where it's no longer golden age. Yeah, but we still recognize him to have merit where these other ages kind of don't. Because mm-hmm. you do like him more than everyone else, most everyone else. Right. Um. Clearly, we all like Arthur the best. <laughs> Arthur, <laughs> he's the real main character. Right. Uh, Arthur is voiced by Mickey Dolenz in season one, who is the drummer from the Monkees. Yeah. 
and then to of bring course back Fight Club. <laughs> um, he's voiced by Robert Paulson in the upcoming seasons. Right. So seasons two and three, Rob Paulson. So great. Yeah, oh, fantastic. <laughs> it's really nice of you to stick around. You know, we'll get that cot set up after this. And you, can, <laughs> you can stop, you know, curling up in the corner to sleeping bag. <laughs> uh, we should mention that the tick is voiced by Townsend Coleman, yeah. which is not a name I recognize, but will forever recognize here on out because his first name's Townsend. Yeah. Not a name I realized. Uh, was he name. was he voiced Michelangelo in uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. and uh, Rob Paulson voiced like uh, one of the other ones. I don't remember which one. Oh yeah, yeah, Vertigo or you know Virgo or whichever one. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. The, yep. I never. I never. <laughs> I never watched TMNT. There was kid. Michelangelo, Virgo, yeah. Donner, Blitzen, um, <laughs> the Thumb, Pollock. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if they made another like TMNT like knockoff? <laughs> but it was with all like impressionist painters <laughs> or like abstract like Picasso <laughs> and like Picasso Warhol, was, and they're Picasso all just was, like oh, mutant pigs different. in like a farm or something. Picasso's cubism, Ben. Well, Warhol's I, postmodern. How do you know this stuff? I pick up a bit. You read read a book. <laughs> Did um, you see that one, villain? Which one? The 2,000-pound man. What? I don't remember his actual name, but he's wearing a shirt that says 2,000 pounds, and I think his name is the one-ton man. (laughs) That's his power. Um, But he's got this really weird little wrinkle that doesn't relate to either of it, where he has a hand puppet that talks to him, so he's just ventriloquisting the entire time. (laughs) And the ventriloquist part... The hand part is always, like, mocking everybody else around him for being stupid and yells, read a book really loudly. So, that's kind of... That's kind of par for the course in here. Yeah, like, when you contrast the tick to shit like that, the tick starts looking pretty goddamn reasonable. Yeah. He's just doing what he needs to to survive. He's simple enough such that he can't get distracted with shit like uh, a multiple personality what is expressed through a hand puppet. Or yeah. something like that. <laughs> like, to that end, his costume is just all stock blue. There's he, no flair to it. He knows yeah. what he is because he's very simple. Right. Which is, like, it feeds into the idea that if things were not clearly stated, he would not know what's going on. Oh, yeah. He 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 has, you know... He looks at himself every morning. Oh, I'm wearing blue. Must be a good guy. <laughs> Blue's good. Last <laughs> I checked. Sky's blue. Water's blue. I like both of those. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, anyway, I think we got a little bit off track, but <laughs> let's talk about Arthur. Um, he yes. is... Okay, so the thing that drives the normies to become superheroes is this sort of unchecked distress... Not distress. Whatever Tyler Durden had. You know, it's this... Neuroticism? No, I'm like I'm like the fascination with breaking away from society, the disillusionment with regular society, the mm. noble savagery that you know makes that guy go to the Catskills and try to live in the wild, the Thoreau thing. Yeah, we, whom among us have not done that? Except no. I believe I remember reading that Thoreau had his mom come by and go into town and do his laundry. <laughs> we, so sort of breaks immersion a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen up, kids reading My Side of the Mountain or Into the Wild the first time. Not viable. <laughs> Note, notice where you are in human history. Yeah. Um, but he is sort of... 
he's sort of this so most of these that break away from society kind of just roll with it they just go all in it's like all right this is my entire life this is uh what i do now i don't do anything else i am this new character i have a title and i don't even have a normal name Mm. arthur is just i was born to be a superhero but I'm not really into all that glitz and glamour and, you know, superhero ideal stuff. I'm going to wear I a just plain white help. suit. I don't he, have powers. I'm going to wear a plain white suit. I'm just going to go by Arthur. <laughs> he, he goes by Arthur. I think that's like Even though the he's, best detail. He's frequently referred to as the Mothman. I think that's just tick, the tick that refers to him as the Mothman. That's true. I, um, like, I think they referred to him as Arthur. <laughs> I like this. Like, even the TV cameras. Like, his superhero name is Arthur. (laughs) I like this idea that he's, like, middle-aged guy, you know, not where he wanted to be in life, and decides to go, like, start a band kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, but he's not good at, like, the glitz and glamour. Like, he he managed to sign on, you know, being in this other guy's great band or something like that. Like, in case closed? Sign on? What? You said sign on. Wasn't that the uh, Oh sign <laughs> wasn't that the um the subcategory of anime? You like you are attributing far too much intelligence to my words. <laughs> I'm I'm using far too little of my intelligence in, you know, ignoring these things that sound similar. Seconded, adjourned. The <laughs> but like he you know, he decided to go off and, and start his own band and after like two days was picked up by this major label, aka the tick. And now he's just not sure what to do with his success. (laughs) I I disagree, actually. I don't think that he doesn't know what to do with his success. I think that he doesn't he doesn't quantify his success. He's he's gotten to where he wants to be. You know, he's not trying to merchandise. He's not trying to promote his image. Mm. He is a hero and he's saving people. And that's what he wanted to do. So, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm there. I made it, baby. (laughs) So can you. (laughs) I got a lot more of his personality from the live action show. I mean, I think it was pretty consistent from for both adaptations, but they went into more detail there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, it was a more personal story for live action yeah. for you know a number of reasons, one of which being the fact that it's not animation. Right. But, you know, he he spends more time talking about how it's it's this calling, he doesn't really know how to verbalize it, but he knows it's not really realistic he's really reaching but you know uh, he he does enjoy saving people he sort of represents this siddhartha-esque uh middle way (laughs) yeah where wherein you know having an ego and having these ideals are great and all but you must temper them with reality you know he has an apartment i don't think they show anybody else's apartment in the entirety of the show no and when he's the only one who can he's the only one who pays bills he like goes grocery shopping, and and also the tick like crashes on his couch. But think about what a success story. Which <laughs> I don't know what the tick would have done if he hadn't found Arthur. He just would have stood outside and been happy about it. Yeah, just stand waiting for lightning to strike behind him so it can look more baller. <laughs> through the tick, is through the cold and night, I must remain vigilant. I, much, much like the silhouette in the corner of your room, will not go away until the dawn. <laughs> That was not bad. Mm. Does that a lot. Yeah. They just kind of, like, if you do it with enough confidence, it sort of just bends back on itself by the end of it and sort of makes sense. But, yeah, yeah, I, I really like Arthur. Like, he's just, in, in a world where having such an unchecked ego, like, he's a real success story for somebody who's reaching for their dreams. You know, yeah. don't compromise who you are 
with a normal life, but also understand that there's limitations in getting there. You know, you can't be all idealism or all efficacy. You need a mix. You got freedom and responsibility. It's a it's very, a very groovy, groovy time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, middle way. <laughs> Did you not get that sense of it? I, I, I didn't until you said it, but I really... Man, I like that. Man, I like that movie. Austin Powers still holds up really well. Yeah. <laughs> have you, how recently have you watched it? Uh, you know, it must have been a couple years. I, I think I watch it every, like, two years, and I'm always ecstatic about it. <laughs> it's a good it's time. It's really great. Uh, yeah. Um, what, the, um, what else do we have about Arthur? The Didn't Arthur and the Tick get a dog at one point? Uh, they got a chupacabra what looked like a dog. Is that what that is? I was wondering why it was so <laughs> ugly. No, I, his name is Speak, um, because the first time the Tick met, met him, it was because the Tick was delirious and thought it was talking to him. And he adopted <laughs> it from, uh, what was it, like, uh, where, where's the Aztec ruins again? What? He, he, he adopted it from Mexico, I think. Yeah, okay. he went to Mexico, and there was this one episode where... This one, this episode was actually a huge hit for me because it starts out with Arthur going on a date with like Moth Girl or whoever the hell that is. Yeah, um, the Mad Scientist's daughter. I, I I didn't really read up too much about it. They just go into a movie theater, full costume, but they're just there to see a movie. <laughs> which whenever a scene like that happens, I'm always I'm always a huge fan. Yeah, because it shows that the society is just sort of starting to accept them. Yeah. Oh my god, I I love the best parts are when the weird characters act normally yeah like when there's a slime monster from another dimension having a normal argument with his roommate about drinking milk straight from the carton oh man or like the, <laughs> the tick and arthur just going grocery shopping in full costume that's the best and if they didn't talk about it at all it'd be even better but the tick is always just like why aren't we being vigilant on top of gargoyles in the dead of night yeah it's like we're out of milk man <laughs> like, what do you want what do you want me to do dude but this you one broke episode, all the eggs you broke all the eggs because you thought you could. You had super juggling powers, <laughs> which he <Ooh>. might have. <laughs> I feel like he tell. gets powers just because he thinks he has them. <laughs> yeah, he just has the power of suspension of disbelief. Yeah, um, but th- this one episode, they're in oh, a yeah. movie theater, and these Aztec warriors come by and capture Arthur because they think it's Moth Girl because they're both wearing the same exact outfit, <laughs> and he they Bit abduct of an oversight. him. Well, they abduct him to to to, to Mexico. And then start, like, submitting him to tribal rituals for, for you know, um, for marriage. Mm-hmm. And by the way, they're reading these tribal rituals out of a book that I think was called, uh, let me see if I can find it. I wrote this down. Um, yeah, Aztecs on my mind. And it's like a paperback, but they refer to it as their holy text. There's a lot of great visual gags. <laughs> <laughs> we could get back into that in a second. But the text states absurdities like they use cocoa beans for money. And they're <laughs> going to like get ironic punishment on Arthur for dressing up as this girl by making him marry a chupacabra, which is just this really ugly dog. <laughs> it becomes very, very clear through the entirety of the episode that this is not actually an Aztec society. It's a baseball team that got lost in mexico and adopted this aztec <laughs> mythology around them. that's pretty great <laughs> that's like my favorite episode because it's not immediately apparent why anything is happening what was the name of that episode do you know um it i think it was no kisses for sidekicks okay 
Most... Because Vanessa or, you know, Moth Girl and the Tick have to go try to rescue Arthur. Okay. Most... And she, like, kisses him on the cheek. It's very Mo- cute. Most of the titles are, like, the Tick versus. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, know, yeah. early on, it's a lot of, like, villain names. But then later on, it's just, like, concepts. Like, yeah. the Tick versus science or Europe yep. or education. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I like. I like the idea of the tick taking on Europe and just punching his way through. Take that, cancer. <laughs> I'm going to fight cancer. <laughs> With this knife. With this knife. I don't know who we're doing anymore. Better watch uh, out. You better not cry. <laughs> you better not cry, <laughs> There's something here, Zane. <laughs> I'm going to go down this chimney. <laughs> I'm gonna go out of this chimney and mess him up. <laughs> <laughs> Better not cry. <laughs> Crocodile Dundee Santa. <laughs> I like be, this character. Yeah, he would fit right in in the tick. Oh yeah, <laughs> Santa Dundee. Why not? Yeah, that's a, doesn't this? There's an episode where it's just it's called like the Tick Loves Santa or something. I wonder how it would have transpired if he was just aggressively australian he's got a bag and he's got a knife and he just cuts open the bag and stuff comes out <laughs> fights there yeah, was like, there, <laughs> they did yeah. fight uh gingerbread cookies once oh i would expect nothing less <laughs> yeah they, they like they fight gingerbread like they fight anything i really can't <laughs> overstate whatever's this. around there there was a villain i'm trying to remember its name i think it was eastern block vending machine cowboy oh my god the villain it, names are fantastic. St- stay with me for a second. This was a cowboy <laughs> who was a vending machine from the Eastern Bloc. Okay. He defeated it by throwing a quarter at it very quickly and buying its brain. What? <laughs> <laughs> How good of a joke is that? <laughs> I don't know. That's the like, thing. Wait, the tick did? Yeah. Did he come up with that plan? I, I think he's just throwing stuff. Okay. Sometimes he'll be like prone toward... like. Bouts of insight where he just thinks up a nonlinear solution to the situation. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's he's not much of a mathlete, but he is a very good uh, non. Uh, what what's that word? Uh, lateral thinker. thinker. He's yeah, a, he's a lot. He's a lateral thinker. There's this one point when he has to div- defuse this bread bomb, and he's like trying to hold it back from expanding, and then bread he just bomb. like has the idea of just eating the thing. Bread bomb. <laughs> and it doesn't work out well for him. Right. And he has to, like, use a rolling pin to quiet it down in his stomach. See, these these are all really funny plot points, but a lot of the best stuff happens at the beginning and end of the episode. So, I like, the middle parts <laughs> kind of drag on a bit to me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot they, of the jokes are need predictable or too are, surreal. But, like, the, just the setups and the situations are really in- engaging. I found that setting to be so um, manifold in interesting little bits <laughs> that the length didn't really bother me because they they usually wouldn't focus all their attention on the main plot. Sure, they 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 have little subplots with Arthur or Batmanuel or what have you. They also have a ton of little Different sight gags, like they have jokes to spare, and so they'll put like a magazine on screen for just like a second, and the front of the magazine says. Like it has an attractive woman. It says, "Lose all of your body weight in thirty days." Wow, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is pretty funny. Uh, again, this is just the benefit of a surreal setting. If you yeah. can make those kind of jokes, the animators can have a little fun. Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess, I guess we kind of been talking about the tone and genre. It is, it is silly, yet it is internally consistent. Yeah, that is true. Um, 
And I want to get to tone and genre in a minute, but I don't think I've said enough about Arthur. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do, you, do you mind? No. I'm, okay. I, <laughs> I feel like we've said quite a lot about Arthur, but... I don't think we did. We've been going off on a lot of tangents. That's true. Um, here's, here's what I like about Arthur, and I think this is why he's my favorite character, is that, like the Tick, he's not really in this continuity. Mm. Right? Like, I think I've already said it a little bit, but he's not a glory-seeking egomaniac and doesn't try to be. He loves the work, but he's not in love with the uh, with the aesthetic. Um, and it's just, it's weird that he's, his calling is a place where he's sort of an outcast. Not an outcast, but definitely an outlier. Well, they, you know, in this superhero world, they're both on the spectrum of superheroes, but they're both on mm. opposite ends of the curve. Yeah, yeah, and they're both definitely... That's a great way to put it. Thank you for appealing to my mathematician sensibilities. One one is too far into it, and one is just putting his toe in. They're, like, both within, like, three standard deviations, <laughs> but barely. Right. Um, And I don't even think that... You know, Tick is sort of on the imaginary axis as far as that's concerned. He's not really that he's too into it. It's just that he has the mind of a child and co- can't comprehend a more... Uh, a more complex existence as a superhero <laughs> right like he's the samurai um the uh what i thought about arthur and how he just sort of is on the very fringe of this society is that he sort of parallels a comic book nerd reading this sort of thing hmm. he's like not he's not wishing to be a superhero necessarily he just kind of wants to be a part of their world right because he, he's he really is in love with in love with like making an image for himself he just kind of wants to dip his toe in like you said yeah. I really like that about him. There are points in which him being the straight man uh, frays a little bit, and the absurdity of his surroundings is just a little too much for his sensibilities and common sense to handle, and he'll just start to laugh out loud. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and imagine if things are dreams, <laughs> which is a nice little nice, nice little detail. Yeah. There's only so so much you can hold on to your sanity. Yeah, he accepts like a level of madness and fantasy, which makes him an effective hero. But it's there's a limit. <laughs> there's only so far you can go. Hmm. So um, yeah, we can. <laughs> I I just read over the part in my notes where I said that Rain Man was one of the superheroes again. <laughs> just <started laughs> chuckle. We we have been talking about the tone, but maybe we should explicitly say some of the the tonal the tonal themes of this show. Okay. Uh, I think the biggest thing of this, and I've already said it a bit, is that the show is all about the successes and failures of the ego. Hmm. Um. the 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 tick is just, you know, all those all the heroes and villains are so full of themselves that it makes them ineffectual. But Arthur is completely ineffectual because he has no confidence, and it's only when he's kind of forced into being somewhat confident by the tick usually is when he can Uh, again this is very closely to nuclear man and atomic lad yeah they they really do balance each other out in a a very positive way oh yeah okay (laughs) Uh, (laughs) what you left the tech half off the toothpaste again (laughs) i have to put it back on yeah it's always on for me that's because i put it there (laughs) what a good team we are (laughs) high five little chum (laughs) I've never heard the term chum before this. And really? It like, fits perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the idea of the ego getting in the way, this, this idea of confidence being both a boon and a hindrance is yeah. interesting, especially because, you know, 
a lot of the times in shows, there's that like egotistical character, right? Thinks he's the best, captain of the football, whatever. You want to see that person crash and burn usually. Oh, you, hate <laughs> you hate him, and it's not immediately clear why you hate him, other than he has things that you don't. Right. But you don't really deconstruct that. He has the things you don't because the ego has this side benefit of being confident, which right. is always going to be good for you. Right. And you love the tick. <laughs> you do. Why? Like, let's, let's take a step back here for a second. Why do we even like this character? So He's stupid, and he just does what he thinks is like his job even though it's not so i remember not um, a person to admire i remember hearing a description of the difference between comedy and tragedy Mm. um and i i think everyone gets married at the end of tragedies (laughs) no one no one's happy to be in a marriage I never. I now pronounce you spirit and cadaver. You <laughs> may is, rest eternally. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not certain. Um, it's how Romeo and Juliet ended. Yep. In uh, in a comedy. Rigor mortis and Julian fries. In a comedy, the um, the hero, the the comedic lead, is someone who starts out low status and then becomes high status through no fault of their own like they Uh-oh. they just kind of stumbled into it so, so yeah just sort of circumstantial success right um so i think that's what makes the tick work and why we're okay laughing with him and not at him as much uh mm-hmm. in a tragedy somebody of high status goes to somebody of low status through their own faults it's something that they did wrong now what about a person whom tries to be something that they need to work at like their success is a facet of their, you know, them striving. That is called real life. <laughs> is it? <laughs> and there's a little bit of comedy, a little bit of tragedy. <laughs> I guess so. It, it just seems very diametrically opposed uh, frames of mind to be working with to construct a TV show or you, you know a play. You want to get your tragedy all at once and then get your comedy on an installment plan. You got your tragedy all over my comedy. I'm sorry. <laughs> You, you you didn't want to do the Reese's Pieces thing. Oh, what what thing? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I have some gifts to share with you, Sarah, later. <laughs> oh, no, I got you the same gifts. <laughs> I got you the same gifts. <laughs> Gifs. <laughs> I got you the same can of peanut butter. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a funny, that's a funny setup for something. I got yeah. you the same gif. Yeah. I don't know what it's a funny setup for, and in fact, it doesn't seem funny now that I talk about it. Welcome to the Carton Cast. We set up jokes cast. that we cannot finish. Yeah, and we finished jokes that we didn't set up. <laughs> <You're> Spoon. <welcome>. Spoon. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, like this, this is fairly obvious, but uh, we might as well point it out um, that every superhero and supervillain is this awesome deconstruction of your favorite cliches. Yes. Excepting the Tick and Arthur, whom are sort of their own beasts <laughs> right they're in their they're in their own phylum we see all the classic you know <clears throat> superhero tropes and conventions and they're kind of exploit it, it, it's again another it's like darkwing duck it's a it's a loving homage in that yeah. it, it follows and deconstructs the source work i think i like the villain ones even better than the hero ones. Oh yeah oh they're much better did you did you see the uh, the nutcase with the bombs and his his evil name was the evil midnight bomber? What bombs at midnight? 
<laughs> I don't know why, but it's, it's very funny to me. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of really... He, he couldn't quite figure out the whole villain thing. He just, like, barely slapped a theme together in order to get himself to place bombs around because he's a madman. Like, well, Ben, remember, if you're throwing bombs around, it's hard to hear, so you got to really state your premise twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like Kadar Wall. Yeah. They've all got tinnitus from <laughs> the tick just shouting at all hours of the night. All the explosions. <laughs> that that as well. Yeah, um, sometimes the tick will yell something and like the superheroes and stuff are like, "Yeah, we got to we got to do that." And then just the normal people on the street are like, "Wow, that's really loud. <laughs> Can you go over there, please?" <laughs> You you guys are like yelling, <laughs> like in my. I don't ear. know if you're aware of this, but you're like all yelling. Not if only you are all you take the volume down, you'll be able to hear each other just fine. Not only are you yelling at me, you're yelling at them, and we're all right next to each other. Like <laughs> <laughs> the inside voices. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to get back to the uh, the the deconstruction of the villains, mm-hmm. there's this one part that I just wanted to say. Uh, it just. The tick is kind of pummeling this bad guy into submission and be like, why are you doing this? Why are you holding the city hostage? And the villain says, well, if we held the city hostage, then we'd get paid a lot of money. And then we would get, then then we would be rich. And then we wouldn't have to work anymore. (laughs) Which is true. It's so funny to hear it out loud in very (laughs) deliberate sentences. Like just directly stating what every villain is actually doing. But I like the idea that he says it because the tick doesn't actually understand that motivation. Well, you see, we we would like a lot of money. Money can be exchanged for goods and services. Go on. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I don't think it's that. I think it's just that the... I don't know. It's just like this facet of villainum that need to explain their plans. (laughs) Except that this time it's just a very benign purpose. They're not like getting revenge for their murdered loved ones or trying to set the world on fire. <laughs> they just wanted money. Yeah. And just the deconstruction of ransom. Yeah. Um, as we already said, you know, the Punisher type violent nutcase breaking down and crying when he runs out of bullets is a good deconstruction of the Punisher. It's pretty funny. Um, there is the space aliens who can only say what. <laughs> like, like fighting another bunch of space aliens who can only say hey is, is there some nice like abbott and costello going on like a little bit a little bit <laughs> i mean of course there is who's abbott uh the the abbott he works at the uh at the um church is that even a church job abbott i think so the costello um visiting from seinfeld that's eh, not it <clears throat> that's close the guy who sells hats. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Caballeros. Moving on. Moving on. Yeah, we have no focus this episode. It's really hard. <laughs> That's okay. Like, yeah, we're not doing this for anyone. It's <laughs> <laughs> for us. Uh, cut stuff out anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> I probably will. Um, so should we get into audio? I don't think I'm... Audios. I don't think... Hang on. I'm going to like read over my... The rest of my notes. You took way more notes than I did. I did. I, I, I did. I, I, I was writing a lot of this. I feel like I don't have anything else to say. I've got plenty to say. Don't worry. All right. Well, then you're going to have to carry the conversation because I can Not just a pro- do- I feel like I'd normally do that anyway just because I have diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah. I like agreeing. 
Diary of the Mouth is like a deadly affliction that hurts everybody else and not just you. Let's see. Um, there is one other thing that I wanted to mention, just because it's so in such in in such stark contrast to the shows we normally watch, which is you you've brought up before, and I've repeated that most shows we watch have this conservation of detail. Um, and for a sort of variety humor show like this, like Venture Brothers, like Darkwing Duck, there's sort of an aversion to that. In what way? Like sometimes the departures from the show, they they sometimes depart to do jokes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, they'll just like uh go to a side street, or I, I I can't even think of an example, but they'll go away from the main plot in order to make like superhero reference number three, or you know, yeah. a little bit of funny dialogue with a lot of bread puns or something like that, and that's not really a departure from it. But sometimes they'll explicitly do stuff that's a departure from conservation of detail and it's not humorous it's just bizarre (laughs) okay (laughs) like uh, let me put let me tell you one moment and this is when i realized that it was happening um which is they're trying to i realize that i referenced this one episode many times now but the one where they have to diffuse bread bombs around the city Mm -hmm. which is just bread that grows really fast and it's in a supermarket and the tick is kind of trying to hold it back with his muscly 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 arms and (laughs) he starts punching it and pulls out, like, this dog. Okay. And he just, like, exclaims, A puppy! And it, like, licks his face, and there's triumphant music, and then he just throws it to the side. Okay. <laughs> and I'm, like, watching it, and I'm like, I don't... under If that doesn't come back later, what was the purpose of this little okay. interlude? I see what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're fine with, you know, just having jokes for jokes' sake. Yeah, but that wasn't even a joke, though. Okay. It, like, it's just kind of fill in time but no I, no that was I, I purposeful think of it in what way it it just seems purposeful like it doesn't seem that offensive but it made me wonder why it was there I th- is it I th- just to contribute to the over b- overall bizarre nature of the show i think so i think it does it a little bit too hard it leans a little bit too hard on that in that case but yeah i i i mean i agree a lot of the jokes are a little too surreal for me to enjoy uh, but yeah, I, yeah I, I don't mind the fact that they're not keeping the detail just because uh, it's hard to focus <laughs> on this show for too long. It really is. Um, you said he was holding back his, the bread with his muscle strength. Like how how strong is he? Uh, he it, it varies. It's 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 context sensitive, I believe. I saw he man. I saw him pull away from a black hole. Yeah, he's as strong as he needs to be. It, you know, it varies on the writer, and sometimes they have to retcon the ticks. Uh, <laughs> you know, of course, there's no reason. The, the best thing about a show that's as a deconstruction of the superhero genre is that you never feel married to decisions mm. you made in previous issues. Yeah, yeah. Like we it, don't like in you like in the beginning of Austin Powers, where they're like, "Oh, remember the entire plot of the last movie? It was a lie. Deal with it." <laughs> And they don't feel the need to make it any more elegant because no. everybody accepts the premise of Austin Powers. It's is that fine. It's just, it's just it's just not a serious. It's it's yeah. a parody. Just have a good time. Why are you just complaining? Stop. <laughs> just stop. Just yeah. Turn your brain off a little bit. And Tig did that like twenty odd years ago, and he's working out fine. Yeah, he's doing great. Yeah, if he, if, how does he have those muscles anyway? Well, <laughs> prison. 
I I think it's got to be some sort playground? of got to be some sort of tick based mutation, but I don't know what that would be. I have no idea. It it's very strange to have a show about one superhero and then never explain. Yeah, you don't know anything about him. <laughs> yeah. If Everybody you, else you hear about. If you were to ask him to explain how he got so strong, he would just say, well, I'm a hero. Heroes got to be strong. Heroes get out of situations. Zane, again, nuclear man. Yeah. It's the same guy. He believes he's... <laughs> the tick is just the little engine that could. <laughs> I believe in you. That doesn't work on anyone, tick. <laughs> wa- you're going to crush his head. <laughs> um, yeah, did you want to go into animation? Uh, Sure. Yeah. Um, I would say that it looks a lot like, like just like the comic book and of comics of that vintage in general. In what way? Well, you have um, a lot of attention being paid to the musc- the mu- the muscles. I was about to say that <laughs> everybody, including Arthur, whom is stated in the universe to be a fatso, is just everyone's super beefy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just like the lines are very defining of it. You know, if you if you look at a comic. You know, you've got the face, and then you've got kind of these just very plain limbs and stuff, but just muscles, muscle lines everywhere. Yeah, and I I think that also contributes to the uh, poking fun at this uh, dark age slash golden age of comic comicry. Mm-hmm. Whereas in your indie comics, like uh, Transmet or Last Man, you have much more realistically proportioned bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, where it, uh, those being the o- examples of the only comics I own. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you're doing these indie comics, which are not about superheroes, which are more just personal stories, everybody is phrased a little bit more emaciated and realistic. Right. And I guess it contributes to a superhero theme as well, is why it, why it exists in the first place. Yeah. You know, I... Capable, capable, capable. <laughs> so the characters are drawn in a way that um, emphasizes action, yeah, they're, yeah they're, definitely. They're meant to be in action poses. Like, I, I feel yeah. like they took a lot of the animation inspiration from comic books, which is good, which is what you want. Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely... Well, most of the time. Sometimes they'll just be standing around or we'll be watching Tick try to comprehend something, which is an excellent time for Tick's antenna to just start wiggling. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever notice that happening? Yeah. Oh, in the live action, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's remote controlled. Yeah, by a puppeteer. <laughs> Why do they need that? Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like so, when they're not doing action poses, they're doing comedy routines. They're doing <laughs> you know little visual gags. Yeah. Which, yeah, uh, the two the two sides of this of this coin, I suppose. You know. Which coin? Uh, you know, the uh, superhero deconstruction coin. Yes, yes, that's right. You know, embracing it and poking fun at it. If they're standing around, it's it's arms on your hips, very strong poses. Mm-hmm. Everybody's people ready pointing, for questioning why they're, like, shouting to the heavens, you know. This is a good time for a couple people in the background to start questioning how weird these guys are. <laughs> yeah. And again, those antenna. <laughs> it's like Josh Mankey's frosted tips for the tick. Yeah. Um, uh, one other thing about the animation I noticed, it feels like they're missing a few frames here and there. Does it? Like, there's some jerky motion. It it actually kind of reminds me of the uh, the gaps between comic panels. It's called the gutter. Yeah. Um, 
it like if that was an intentional choice to make it seem more like a comic book good on them but like (laughs) yeah you can't necessarily give them an amount of credit i (laughs) guess it could it could just be not enough frames you know i was uh this is uh i don't know watch an episode of something like in motion like receding into the background or like moving in an action pose and like watch for it you can see the little little jumps i guess i'll look for it but uh, did you think that the animation quality overall was deficient in some way no. or no it was fine uh, just something i noticed which was unusual the fact that that was the only unusual thing makes me think that it was planned but i i, I don't have a i don't have firm grant ground to stand on yeah um i do want to mention also about the animation if, if you're okay with me jumping into i'm thing. fine i'm okay i am powerful <laughs> <laughs> for I am kind. They call me the animator. They call me Xerxes. <laughs> what? <laughs> guess what I did? Go ahead and guess. You Xerxes? That's right. That's the one thing I did. <laughs> Everybody loves it. They feed me grapes. <laughs> Fan me with golden leaves. You were I saying? <laughs> I don't know what character this is. I don't like him. <laughs> Not great. Um... Yeah, I. <laughs> it's hard not to talk about the tick and then just start to weird out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I like all the variety in this superhero supervillain setting. Yeah, it, again, it's very Venture Brothers. Yeah, and they they you know they seem like they're you know drawn from whatever the writer happened to walk by that day, but they're still does. done very well. Yeah, I love Lamp. Um, and. You know, what's really fun about them is that it's a great point for it's a great opportunity for the writers to make really awful puns and not have to follow up on them. Yes, because we never need to see these characters again. So I noticed a couple of them really seemed like Mega Man X villains mm-hmm. because they're named stuff like Captain Lemming, um, <laughs> who just jumps off a building and dies. Um, one of my favorites was Bipolar Bear. <laughs> I like that a lot. Did Did you see him? No. Yeah, he's trying to get out of... He's like, the city needs me, but I just can't work up the strength to get out of bed. <laughs> and that is all we see of Bipolar Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you wonder why they kept around the ones that they did. Well, again, it's just it's just focusing really hard on why the Tick is the most successful superhero in this whole city. Right, because... And his, by the way, he his, is. His crushing personality flaws drive him forward. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're not always great directions to go in, but luckily Arthur's there to kind of pick and choose his battles for him. But yeah, his personality flaws are all just uh, not listening to that nagging voice which tells other people to stop. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... I like the idea of lacking inhibitions is a superpower. There's this one character in Bacchano, or not in Bacchano, but in Durarara, the other one that that guy did. Uh Uh-huh. Whose name escapes me? At the moment, whose name escapes me? And uh, his superpower is sort of like a Charles Atlas superpower. Like he just like trains it from birth mm-hmm. without trying to. Which is that he uh, he doesn't have the normal human limiters in in the brain that like prevent you from you know how like uh, a mother trying to get her child out from under a car will be able to yeah. lift the car. Yeah, that's sort of just turning off those limiters and the adrenaline rushes, and you're able to produce superhuman strength feats. Yeah. But the thing is about this character, uh, and his name is, uh, what the fuck was it? The His enemy was Isaiah. Uh, 
I can't remember it right now. I'll think of it later. Okay. But his superpower, I remember his last name. That's the weird part. Hewajima. Um, his superpower is that he doesn't have that limiter in his brain. So whenever he does something, he like gets violent urges and like tries to protect someone or take somebody out. He uses all of his muscles, <laughs> which breaks his bones and muscles so far over and over again that he his body just eventually catches up to this flaw. And he just <laughs> is like this superhuman, unstoppable force of nature. That's incredible. It's really cool in a way that makes no sense. Like I love that. <laughs> hmm. Like and, and I love when you know they could have just said, yeah, he's just like really strong and really hard and really tough as well. But no, they they, they felt the need to explain it, <laughs> which is not something that this show does. But it's okay. Right. Uh, we should start moving to finish up. So should we do audio real quick? One more thing in animation before we move out of it is that I would have liked to see the environment of the city designed with superheroes in mind. Oh, like a lot of wide open spaces and underground a lot of wide stuff. Open spaces, mainly like dueling arenas for them <laughs> to get their there the, just to get the poison out that would be a great like continuity thing but it would make mm-hmm. a lot of the fights much less interesting <laughs> that is true and it does mean that the well i just like the idea that the that the city is kind of adapting you know they're they're, mm-hmm. they're taking out the colored water fountains they're you know adapting to this this new yeah. need to integrate superheroes but into then the a regular lot of, society. A lot of times, especially in the later episodes, they're not in the city. They go to different places. Aruba, yeah. They go That's to true. space and Europe and all that. Back yeah. in time. Well, you know, standard superhero fare. Right. <laughs> Keep your passport on you. <laughs> Some um. diamonds that you can sell. <laughs> yep. So that, that was just kind of an off thought that i had like what if the city designers got wise to the fact that all of the edges of buildings are constantly being destroyed by the tick just jumping through them <laughs> which happens like clockwork like what if they start to put in guardrails it seems like the thing they might have done but it doesn't happen yeah uh i don't know how do you how do you prepare for something that unpredictable and strong that's a good point i guess i'm thinking about it a little too hard it was just kind of something that would have uh cemented this idea yeah, come, that come down the society the, is coming is getting is getting wise to this come, da, come down to the zoo check out our hurricane <laughs> what <laughs> it's wild and powerful oh yeah that's a good point you got me there <laughs> uh yeah anyway we can go into music and sound now if you want all right um i'm so, sure you have something to say about the intro <laughs> Hunt chips, delicious. Nabisco. The um, it I, me I, I only knew the intro from that um, Defenders of Justice CD we had. <laughs> I remember that. Didn't that have the Astro Boy thing on it? It had too? Astro Boy. It had uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It had Power Rangers. It had everything. Really good stuff. X-Men? Oh, yeah. But The Tick is got a great theme song that's just really, like... Just somebody scatting. <laughs> yeah, it is scat. I forgot that that's what that was called. With some like trombone and like this show uses a lot of trombone. <laughs> it's sort of what he does whenever he makes a monologue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it does have a lot of trombone. <laughs> you must have been a huge fan of that. I was really into it. Okay, like I love the one point in the intro <laughs> where they're just like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. Again, with the whole Darkwing Duck thing, it's just nice, brassy jazz. 
I don't know why it works in a superhero deconstruction parody setting, but it does work. <laughs> it's just Darkwing Duck again, but that is not a bad thing. Yeah. It draws your attention in. It does. Um, the, uh, the thing I was saying about the fact that the tick just kind of scats his monologues as well <laughs> is that I don't think we haven't said it explicitly, but they're the best part of the show, right? <laughs> I like them a lot. Maybe not the best, but I was always pretty in, enthralled and and happy They're whenever he started. When he when whenever he started being Kamina, essentially. Right. I I wrote one down just to give the listeners an idea of what they can expect. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let me let me let me get into it. <clears throat> yes, evil comes in many forms, whether it be a man-eating cow or Joseph Stalin. But you can't let the package hide the pudding. Evil is just plain bad. You don't cotton to it. You gotta smack it in the nose with the rolled up newspaper of goodness. Bad dog. Bad dog. (laughs) Which, you can see what we've been doing the whole time if you listen to that sentence. Sure. (laughs) It starts out being like, this sort of sounds like an Aesop. This sounds like a moral. And then he just talks about whatever he thinks justice is at that moment. And just keeps going with that. That's great. It's really endearing. Um... Yeah, and they sometimes put, like, that heroic music behind him, and it fizzles out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it turns, like, record scratch. A lot of the music in the show is just the main theme, but in Mm. a different version. Like, it's jazzier and upbeat, and that's a new, like, that's your background music there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think we've done shows where that was the case before as well. Yeah. Like, the Kim Possible did that a lot. Yeah, and it works. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but Tick went in a, several directions in the in terms of the different variants. I did not actually pay attention to music this time, so that was the main thing that I noticed. Me. Um, did you pay attention to the sound effects? <laughs> not really, actually. Once again, pretty ru- slapstick, though, right? Right off the comic book page, you got, oh, yeah, you got your pow and thwack kind of stuff. <laughs> Bamf. Bamf. Teleporting sound. Fadok. Fadok is a good one. <laughs> I don't know what it means. My favorite. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Splarch. Gross. It, there, there's a lot of that. Sound effect um, would have died. There's a lot of that triumphant music when he's being heroic and like confused music when he's saying anything, anything else. else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he's not being heroic. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, it's pretty spot on stuff. Yeah, I I really appreciated all the dialogue. I thought the dialogue was great. Um, it definitely reflects the weird half accepting, half criticizing superhero nature of the city. <laughs> so it's very consistent in that way, and a couple moments of extremely funny humor. So yeah, this is this is a good. It's not bad. This is a good. This is a good batch of cookies. This I like good. these cookies. I like them. They're too many almonds. Do you would you like to take a short walk into Zane's conspiracy theory corner? I man, you know what? Um it's pretty dark out, but I think I see Batman Wells shadow on the overhang, so I'm going to I'm going to walk down this alley, bare mace in hand. He'll protect you. Yeah, he'll protect the ladies. <laughs> um Go ahead. So the conspiracy theory behind this show is that it is the fever dreams of a small child. Um, what? The idea is 
there was a kid and he was bitten by a tick and got um, some disease where he Lyme disease? Yeah, some disease where he can't go outside that much. And so he dreams up the this world. Um, oh and God. basically all the villains and heroes of stuff are just stuff he can see from his bed. Oh my God. <laughs> That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Um, and so the tick and he is dreams that it made him super powerful instead of super wimpy. That's right. And so but he still has the mind of a child, right. even in this superhero he's, form. He's the tick and his, <laughs> his dad is Arthur because oh my God. he knows that his dad's like an accountant, but he doesn't yeah. really know what that is. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he just assumes, like, yeah, he goes around in a moth suit. Yeah. And he takes care of everything, you know, he takes care of everything for him, but he's always concerned about yeah. his son's ailing health. He's afraid. He's he's nervous. Yeah. Nervous. Yeah. So Overworked. I really like that. You know, he, like, looks around. Eh, there's a chair. That's a, that's my villain. That's a villain. <laughs> that, that's not bad. Is there anything to herald that conspiracy other than those pieces of information? If, Is there any evidence? Um, it seems to fit. Uh, one evidence was like American Made, the the Wonder Woman knockoff, is mm-hmm. supposed to be his mom, which is why, like, even uh, though she's the female lead, the tick never hits on her. Not to mention that, uh, you know, he, he his, his uncle, you know, uh, Enrique or whatever. Deflate him out. Like mommy, 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 special friend Enrique uh, sometimes comes over and visits him as well because the, the, their marriage is failing right. because of the added pressures of taking care of the sick kid. Well, I think the idea is that um, Deflate Mouse is supposed to be like this stepdad who tries to be cool but isn't. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Just has a porn stash. Yeah. <laughs> By which I mean like a, a, a mustache in the manner of porn stars. Right. We're not talking not, like milk mustache, but porn version. Yeah, but shit brown. <laughs> exactly. Um, I really wish I had that in a in like. I really wish that was standard fare in coloring boxes. What? Crayola really never got the memo <laughs> shit brown. to make. Yeah, you know, you, I, I feel. Yeah, I believe you, the term you know, you is have burnt sienna. Burnt sienna, burnt coffee, sienna, colon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how to make this joke work but ship brown make it a color <laughs> make, make it a color from the coloring box i use that color more than almost anything else make it a baskin robbins flavor ship brown ship brown ship brown and nuts <laughs> the tick <laughs> anyway uh i have one other line that i thought was so funny that i needed to bring it up bring it in uh which is just again he's fighting the bread maker he finds a second rapidly expanding loaf and then he like looks at it funny for a second breaks off a piece of it, takes a bite, and only then exclaims, you know, I think this is the same guy. (laughs) 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 Which I really like. Uh, It does have some good moments. He couldn't put it together until he took a bite of it. And it's moments like that that make you realize that that the creators really do have a great grasp of humor. It's just that they had to make so many concessions for for a younger audience that they really couldn't shine. Yeah. And... I think, you know, this this is a fine show. They did a lot. They had, like, that surreal humor. I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that, too. Do you think you like this, just because, just to give us something to compare it to, do you think you like this or Darkwing Duck better? Um, hard to say. Darkwing Duck had a bit more in terms of, like, endearing, like, hey, we're all friends, we're all family, whatever. 
Um, mm. This, this I think, edged on being too surreal at points. I think you might have liked Darkwing Duck better because it was a little bit more theatrical as well. That's true. By the way, I didn't make the parallel, but Terror That Flaps in the Night, Tick basically does that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Darkwing Duck and all, all his comrades are a little bit more... Well, again, it's also more noir. So. <laughs> and they at least have a single theme they're all working on. Yeah, ducks. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts on the Tick? Uh, <clears throat> Good old snurf uh, there. Ticks are not blue, yeah? Brown? <laughs> mm. Light blue? Light light sky blue? I believe they are ship brown. Sapphire azure? Yeah, I guess maybe they're just ship brown. Yeah, they're, this show takes a lot of liberties. <laughs> it does. Yeah, no, but you know, it, 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 it benefits from those liberties. They work off each other. The It's synergy. Tick. The tick, it's really cool. I, I think the production blue? history of this one is one of my favorites. Yeah. Because it's so closely related to some of the more modern stuff that I love. Yeah. And the idea of somebody coming up with this at 18 and then just recognizing how good of an idea it was and pushing for it until he reaches success, it's very Arthur. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think Arthur is a, is a person we're going to be calling back quite a bit. Mm. And it was fun to talk about Nuclear Man again. you got to follow your dreams. Who, for, <laughs> then burn Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, for, General uh, Sherman. Thanks, General Sherman. That's something that Tick would say. Yeah. <laughs> For anybody who does not know what Nuclear Man or Nuclear Age is, go look it up. It's this book by Brian Clevenger. He made uh, the webcomic 8-Bit Theater, which is a Final Fantasy sprite comic, which, although, you know, production stuff was not great, it wasn't produced very well, the artwork's kind of stupid because it's sprites, and that's not a fault of the creator. It has great dialogue, and, you know, the... The storyline that he sets up with Nuclear Age is very prominent in fiction. So if you're into stuff like Darkwing Duck and The Tick, you'll probably like Nuclear Age. Seconded, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Seconded. 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 Um, all right, so what do we have next, Zane? So next uh, stop is Jimmy Neutron. James Pleiades Neutron. That's right. Um, and I was... There's so many cool things in science, and neutrons are not one of them. <laughs> what? Zane, I need to correct you right off the bat. Neutron stars are among the most in- incredible things. Neutron stars, uh, in- yes. Well, they're just... Do you, know, do you understand what a neutron star is? It is a star. What is a neutron? No, it's an atom. What is a star? Oh, that's right. It's one atom, it's... and it's kept, together, it's kept together by gravity. That's pretty great. It's an atom that's big enough to be kept together with gravity. <laughs> Think about that shit. That's pretty awesome. Yep. I don't know. I'm a protons and electrons guy myself. <laughs> I like the positives and negatives. Adds a little spice of life there. You're you're a bit of a proton kind of guy. I'm a bit of a conton. <laughs> are are we what? <laughs> <laughs> are we having a positive versus negative proton electron contest? We're, we're kind of not even having a conversation anymore, <laughs> to True. my knowledge. Um, so, yeah. And how was about after that? So, um, I, for some reason, decided that I wanted an even... Like, the watching The Tick and watching the live-action version alongside of it has made me realize that we're really hamstringing ourselves by watching so many things programmed for kids in mind. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to take another Birdman-esque jaunt over to Cartoon Network's Adult Swim Corner Ooh. and watch something that's very interesting animation-wise, um, which is Tom Goes to the Mayor. 
interesting that is that is a <laughs> word to describe it yeah so, <laughs> so we'll check that one out <laughs> um explore the merits of black and white backgrounds i remember exactly one thing from this show what was it i want you to guess Ring-a-ling, ding, ding-a-ling, ding. Nope. Ding-a-ling, ding, ding-a-ling, ding. Nope. Ding-a-ding-a-ding, ding-dong. Uh, was it the guy's main uh, catchphrase, which is crickets? Nope. Was it the mayor? It was the rats off to you episode. Rats off to you! <laughs> I, I love, love it! it. <laughs> I remember that whole episode in its entirety and no other episode. <laughs> so that's sort of my point. <laughs> like, this is a show that really sticks in your mind, and I'm really curious about why that is the case. Sounds other good. Other than it just being different. All right. Yeah. So, well, if you have interesting um, shows coming up, if you have a comment on either of those, let us know. Yeah. Um, like us on Facebook. Give us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the show. I think that definitely some people like the Tick. So, if you want to hear two people batter back and forth the ways in which the Tick is not other characters and Arthur is not other characters, <laughs> but other characters are other characters. <laughs> I felt like such an idiot this whole episode, Dave. <laughs> it's not all like this, but. Uh, yeah, if you wanna if you wanna tell us about that, please let us know. And uh, you know, we got our another another movie segment coming up, so I'm very excited about that. Mm. So mm. on the thirtieth one, if you guys have any suggestions for movies that you want us to review, animated movies, movie on the thirty, movie on the thirty with Top Dog and the Dollar Cat, <laughs> Top Dog and Down Dog, <laughs> Down with Charm Dog, dog Strange Dog. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Again, I'm in grad school. It's hard not to do that. Um, sure. Yeah, so if you have any ideas for animated movies, please let us know. Because, frankly, we have no clue what we're going to do. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, until next time. Spoon! Yes. <laughs> Good. Damn it. <laughs> Listen, Dad, if you are going to talk about naughty things in front of these American girls, then at least speak English-English. All right, my son. I could have had it away with his cracking Judy, my old China. Are you telling pork pies in a bag of tripe? Because if you are feeling quiddly, why not just have a Jay Arthur? What, Billy? No, mates. Too right, you. Don't you remember the crimbo din din we had with the grotty Scotchman? Oh, the one that was all sixes and sevens. Yeah, yeah she was a travelling striper, the Morris dancer lived up the apples and pears. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, she was the barrister that became a yeah. Bobby and a Laurie. Yeah. And they gave her the Gatling gun in the bottom of St. Regis' tea kettle. And then she sat on a turtle. Oh. <laughs>